Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Schernitzky. I am one of your hosts, and we are back to normal. Yes! I am joined by my co-host, the Reverend Dr. A.P. Anna Pinckney-Straight. Or just Anna. Anna for the new year. <laughs> Anna, where have you been? Oh my goodness, Um, home. <laughs> okay, that's all right. I was uh, podcasting from a gas station parking lot last week. We did travel for a couple of days, but then we spent most of it at home, sleeping, eating, resting, reading. Um, it was just, just a few days to get some energy back. But I did. I listened to the podcast. I thought your opening line was funny. Um, welcome. You are joined today by me. No one. Yes. Yeah. I, was, I was at a gas station somewhere. It was dark. I don't remember where yeah. I was. It was in North Carolina. But it's okay. good. Okay, we're back. Uh, what's going on at the church uh, upcoming? I know there's a there's an organ concert which I'm pumped about. What oh else? yeah. Well, I mean the the mixed thing is that Vance uh, Harper Jones is retiring. Well, we're happy for Vance. Um, he has been our organist for 45 years, which is, is phenomenal. Next level. I'm uh, 42 years old. Yes, yeah, so he's been organist longer than you've been alive. Wowzer. Um, he is phenomenal, but he is retiring and we are celebrating. So we have a really special organ concert. A very special organist is coming in on January 22nd, going to do a concert free, open to the community, three o'clock on the 22nd. And then on the 29th and during the 11 o'clock worship service, we're going to worshipfully honor Vance. And then after worship, we're going to have a reception for him in the session house. Um, so it's, you do not want to miss these things. I'm going to go out and say that's probably going to be super crowded at that service. I suspect it will be. Because I will be there with people. It'll be a good day. Okay, great. Um, well, uh, we were just talking, we just recorded the sermon, which you will be able to listen to, or maybe where you know you saw it in real life yesterday. But um, it had a lot of talk about the star, about the wise men or the magi. Yes, the wise ones. You'll hear me refer to them because we really don't know how many there were. Um, we know that there were three gifts. And so um, in our brains, that makes sense. If there are three presents, you had three people, but nowhere. That's a leap that we make. Um, we don't know that they were all men. It is probable that any traveling group would have had men and women traveling together. So um, so I, sim- I usually refer to them as the wise ones. So then... I reached my hand into a basket as yes. part of this sermon and pulled out a star word. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is uh, this is something I'm going to be praying about. This mm-hmm. is this is a word that has. What what do I do with this word? Well, I mean, you do with it what you want to do with it. Um, star words are not a new thing. It is, uh, you know, people often have a word they use in meditation or a word that they use in centering prayer. Um, and this is a word that can help guide you over the year ahead. And it's just something, it's a tool like journaling or fasting or um, quiet. It can be something that helps you get closer to God. So it might be a word that really challenges you, um, that you really, you aren't comfortable with. And so you might figure out what is the blessing in this word for me? Um, or it might be a word that you love and you really just get to rest in it. So, but throughout the year, it can be a word you just pray about. Some people put them up on a mirror so they see it every day. I carry mine in my wallet. Um, they are laminated cards that are the credit card size. And so they fit in your wallet. Um, and it's just a word that might teach you, but you can put as much or as little energy into that as you would like. 
And if you didn't get a word during service, you can come to the church and get it. You can reach out to yourself over email, right? And we'll send you one. We'll take a picture of it and just email you what your word is. Yep. We um, And you know, on the back of the card, we have a little saying what the star word is and sort of the basis for it. But yes, you're welcome to come by the church and you can pick one out of the basket. You are welcome. We can mail you one. Or I have a couple of people, um, someone who I used to know in Chapel Hill, but then moved to Seattle um, every year emails me and says, hey, I need star words. And so I take a picture of several. And so she clicks on one and that's her star word. I thought I would draw lottery or (laughs) uh, Lamborghini out of the star basket. I did Uh, not get those. No, I I will say that the words tend to be um, words that have some sort of spiritual connotation. But some are serious and some are fun and some are, you know, they're just different things. And if you hate the, I mean, there are words that are triggering or words that are really unpleasant. If it is a word that you draw that really sort of causes you to cringe, you can put it back. Just put it back, draw a different one. Right. They're not the rules are loose. It's a good idea that you don't just choose, you don't go digging for the word you want. Because sometimes we need to know what God wants for us. And that's not always what we think. All right. Well, uh, once again, we hope you have a great week. It's nice to be back together, back to normal. Yes. And make sure you grab your star word, even if it's your first time. Yep. Don't be scared. Just grab one. Just and, grab uh, one. And, and, it's, it and it's what it's what it's up to you how much you do with it. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Paul Scott. I'm so glad to be back. Let us pray. O God of wonder, as that ancient star rose and guided the wise ones, illuminating the place where Jesus was, so now may the light of your Holy Spirit Shine in our hearts and minds as the word is read and proclaimed. Guide us again to Christ and direct us in new paths of faithfulness. In Christ we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is the normal scripture reading for Epiphany. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place 
where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left their country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How did they know? It's a question that I've always had, a question I continue to have. Maybe you've asked it too, about the wise men, the wise ones. How did they know? They saw a star and they knew they needed to follow it. They knew that they had seen Jesus' star at its rising and that they were supposed to follow it. But how did they know? As I've considered this, I've also remembered that people throughout all time have looked to the stars for guidance, looked to the stars for help. Some 60,000 years ago, the Pacific Islands were settled, not accidentally, but intentionally. They were settled precisely by people who were using the stars and the wind and the waves, using techniques, techniques that you may have seen in the movie Moana, but come from people called wave listeners or wave pilots. We know that enslaved people were often able to escape with the help of the North Star, a part of a constellation called the Drinking Gourd that led them to freedom. Between 1959 and 1975, part of mandatory training for astronauts was going to the Moorhead Planetarium at the University of North Carolina to learn celestial navigation so that astronauts could pilot their craft even if the navigation instruments failed. In fact, the Naval Academy, I'm told, still requires potential officers to learn how to navigate using a sextant and the stars. And there's part of the answer for my question. How did they know? The three kings, the wise men, their families, their traveling companions, they didn't just look up at a star and knew what it meant. They were astrologers. The term magi can refer to many things, but most scholars think that in this context, it refers to people who studied the stars, studied the stars to learn from them. They saw in the stars movements and learned things about life that is bigger than them. They were predecessors of our modern day astronomers. How did they know? They studied. Listening to the waves takes time, like astronauts, like naval officers, like people whose freedom depends on it. The wise ones didn't just wake up one morning and know, they worked to make themselves ready. How do we know? How do we know where we are supposed to be, what to believe, what path we are to follow, how to make decisions? How do we know when we can be more effective making change by working within the system or when an injustice is so great we need to take to the streets to shout about it? 
When do you do more damage for God's vision for the world by causing a scene? And when do you do more good by looking in at the heart of the problem? Where do you get the sustenance to look forward and see possibility, to see hope? How do we make ourselves open? How do we make ourselves open to the stars God places in front of us so that we can be like the wise ones who are willing to journey and travel and leave behind what they know to go where they are led, to be like Moses and go to the place where God abides? It's worth remembering and saying, this doesn't just happen in here, of seeing God's stars, learning how to follow God's stars. It doesn't only happen in here, and it doesn't always happen in the ways that we expect. My colleague Heather Shortledge reminds us, Jesus is discovered through the binding together of pagan astrological signs and Jewish biblical promises. How often do we close ourselves off to a divine mystery that pervades and pushes through our lives because it comes packaged in something that we consider to be an unchurchy manner? How do we know? We take time to learn. We take time to develop the skills and the practices and the ability to listen, to be aware of God's greater and deeper and quieter movement within our lives and within our communities. In just a few moments, during our offering, some baskets will go out to the congregation that are carrying something that are commonly called star cards. This wasn't originally my idea, but it's something that churches have been doing all over for years. Star cards. On each card is a word. There are approximately some 300 different words in this mix of cards. People don't have to choose the first word that they see. They can put it back and choose another. But you don't always look for the word that you want to find because sometimes a star word has something to teach you. Just a little bit before coming in to tape this sermon, I went ahead and closed my eyes and put my hand in the basket of star cards. And this is the card that I drew, a card with a word on it that I'll use in my prayer life in the year ahead. I don't yet know what all it has to teach me. That will be uncovered in the year ahead. Star words aren't the only way to learn what God has in store for us, of course, but they're one way we can start to learn about the stars that God sends our way. As is not unusual at this time of year, because I'm friends on Facebook with a lot of Presbyterians and a lot of Presbyterian ministers, my Facebook feed is full of people talking about star words and reflections on what their star words have meant to them. I read that one woman received joy last year. She shared that her middle name is Joy, but she admits that in the last year she had forgotten her joy. She'd lost her joy, and the star word reminded her throughout the year about the gift of joy in all the circumstances of life, a joy that comes from the simple affirmation that we belong to God. I read about another woman whose star card last year contained the word courage. She was in the midst of cancer treatments when that word was given to her, and she took that star word just on a simple card with her to every doctor appointment. She kept the word by her side 
as she entered hospice care, and it was with her when she passed from this life to the next. Another person I read about said that she drew the word pregnant. She and her husband laughed and laughed and laughed. And then 11 months later, they welcomed their third child. Sometimes star words can get us into trouble. A man didn't know what to think about healing until he was diagnosed with diabetes later that year. A college student got assurance which helped her to remember God's love and the love of her congregation during a year when she was far away from home and was dealing with illness in her family. Star words can do many different things, but I think I've been struck most by a story I read about a star word and a woman named Peggy Grant. A couple of years ago, she drew a star word and the word she saw was compassion. And this is what she wrote about it. She says, I thought when I got the word, well, God wants me to be more compassionate. And so I set about praying for compassion with this in mind. At some point during the year though, she says, I realized that something else was going on. Primarily this happened through some tremendous examples of compassion that people demonstrated toward me. One Sunday after worshiping here in the church, I was overcome with emotion and feelings of intense sorrow, grief, and loss. I went into the chapel, closed the door, and began to weep as I had never wept before. She says, after a long time, I regained enough composure to open the chapel door, and there I found Cheryl, holding the flowers that she had purchased for our worship that day in honor of her mother, and she handed them to me and told me that she sensed that I needed them more than she did. Compassion, she reflected, is not just feeling sorry for someone, but feeling another's sorrow on such a deep level that one is strongly motivated to try and alleviate another person's suffering. Cheryl gave me compassion along with the flowers that day. Peggy Grant began to realize that Jesus was trying to teach her about receiving compassion. And as important as it was, she says, for me to learn compassion towards others, his intention was to burn through the emotional barriers I had erected over many years by offering his compassionate love for me in emotional distress. Peggy says, this was not the gift I had wanted or prayed for, but I kept trying. I kept trying with my star word compassion until this word blessed me. She concluded that some say that it is more blessed to give than receive. I maintain it is more difficult to receive than give. In order to receive Jesus's compassion, we must become vulnerable, admit our neediness, and face our darkness, trusting Jesus to wash our emotional scars with his miraculous love. When you come to draw a star word, and if you are watching on the video, know that you can come by the church office anytime in the next couple of weeks and pick up a star word. If you cannot get here in person, we can select one and mail it to you or email an image of it to you. But I ask, what word will you receive and where will it take you? I cannot say that in advance, but I do invite you to take this journey in order that you can take other journeys that God has in store for you. And as we do that, we remember that the star was never the point. The star was the sign. 
The star word is the thing that can help us to see the thing the star was pointing to all along. As Bishop Curry, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, tweeted, when the three kings return home without informing Herod of Jesus' location, they were no longer following the star. They were following the God who created the stars. And following that God is good for all of us. It is ultimately the point of the star words and prayers and all of that, not that they will be good things or ends unto themselves, but that they will point us to a deeper relationship with the God who created us, the God who redeems us, and the God who sustains us. And we keep this in mind. We keep this goal of the God who created the stars in mind for the elders who will be ordained and installed in our worship, for all that is happening in the life of this community of faith. We remember, we celebrate, we hold dear that we are led by a star in order that we might follow the God of all creation, the Christ of all love, and the spirit of all justice and truth. So, Alleluia. Amen. Friends, as we leave this place, I hope that you will know what it is to follow the star that God has sent. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And as you follow that star, may you be led to follow 
and be a disciple of the one who created all the stars. Alleluia. Amen.